Welcome. This is Utah's best sports radio. You're listening to The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Presented by Mountain America Credit Union. Guiding you forward on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Is everybody ready? Let's get rolling. This is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott. want to remind you about our friends at the Ford Fan Zone. It's the all-you-can-eat ticket to an upcoming jazz game. Receive unlimited hot dogs, soda, popcorn, nachos, and ice cream. Starting as low as $37 per ticket, visit utahjazz.com or call 325-2999 to buy your Ford Fan Zone all-you-can-eat tickets now. Uh, somebody tweeted me during the break, uh, Gordon, about David Seville. Says, don't believe it. David Seville uh, is his real name as much as Alvin is. David Seville is his stage name. The guy's name is Ross Bagdazarian. Oh, wow. All right. So David Seville, I think you know. This just in, Elton John's real name is an Elton John. <laughs> what? <laughs> so it's Reginald Dwight. Speaking of which, did you see him last night in the Oscars? You guys didn't watch, huh? I did not catch it, Gordon. Sorry. All right, uh, let's get out to the uh, sprint. Actually, you know what? It's time for your daily assist. Let's uh, get to the fancy open we have, of course. It's time for your NBA fix. This is the Big Show Daily Assist, featuring all the latest news and insight on the association. Now joining the Big Show, senior NBA writer for Sports Illustrated, Chris Mannix. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Daily Assist brought to you by our friends at Lee's Heating and Air. Cold weather is here. Is your home's heating system ready? Lee's Heating and Air is now offering winter furnace checkup for only 59 bucks. Call Lee's Heating and Air today. 801-747-LEES or online at leesheatac.com. Out to the Sprint special guest line we go. Senior NBA writer for Sports Illustrated, our good friend Chris Mannix. Chris, what's up? What's going on, guys? Chris, we got to start. What did you think of Bogdanovich's shot last night to beat the Rockets? I mean, the a, a terrific ending to a terrific game start to finish that kind of began as a chess match between the coaches, uh, Russell Westbrook blowing all that up, and Bogdanovich, who played awful all game long, you know, shooting you know from 30 feet over a double team to make a game winner was was remarkable. I, I was watching on, on NBA TV, which had the uh, the Rockets broadcast there, and you know, the second they, they called the the P.J. Tucker shot, you know, the game winner, you, you just knew that's like bad karma. Like, <laughs> never, they never say that when there's 1.4 seconds left. That's way too much time for, for any team, much less a team with the kind of firepower of Utah. So, Chris, uh, update us on your thought on what's going on with the Rockets, this uh, tactic that they are pursuing they're all in on with this uh, shorter lineup. Uh, It remains, you know, interesting, and I don't draw any conclusions based on what happened against the Jazz. I mean, the Jazz are an upper-tier team in the Western Conference, and uh, they had their problems with that small lineup. Uh, I I thought it was fascinating to see Rudy Gobert out there on Russell Westbrook, and you know, I'll be part of the broadcast for the Celtics game against the Rockets tomorrow, and I'll uh, I'll be watching that pretty closely to see if the Celtics kind of mirror that that tactic. You know, whether they put Daniel Tice or another big man on Russell Westbrook, it makes sense because 
you know, Westbrook is not a three-point shooter, and he might be the only player on the floor that's not a three-point shooter. And even though his numbers were fantastic, I thought the Jazz forced him as the type of shots that, that you want to force him to. He, he's making, you know, 18-foot bank shots. Like, to live with that, if you're, that's among the tougher shots in all of basketball. Uh, so I'm curious to see if other teams try to, to copy that and put a, a big on a really small and try to force Westbrook to become a perimeter shooter. Chris Mannix with us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We've asked you about Mike Conley a lot, Chris, but the last three games he's been just terrific. Can we finally yeah. maybe hope that he's getting comfortable with his new role? Yeah, it, it really has looked like, uh, maybe not best-case scenario, but certainly close to it with Mike Conley and, and how he's adjusted. And, and you knew he always would. I mean, he's just too smart and too good and too, too much of a team player to not figure things out. He just... And I've said this to you guys many times before. It's just you go from, you know, playing one way for your entire career in Memphis to a completely different way with completely different type of teammates in in Utah. It, you just don't kind of fall into that and be successful. You know, you throw in the injury in the middle of the season, that complicated matters even further. I mean, the Mike Conley we've seen in the last few games, I think that's a sustainable version of him. I really do. And, and if it is, you know, that, that Jazz team is going to be tough. I mean, they really are because – uh, look, again, Westbrook went off, but they played the type of defense that, that they wanted to play. They did a great job on James Harden throughout that game, and and, and I thought they were good all the way around. So uh, I, I think they, you know, with Mike Conley playing like this, that's a team that's a legitimate threat to win the West. And what, another area the Jazz had struggled with earlier, Chris, was uh, the bench play, but Jordan Clarkson, I mean, it's it's almost as though this guy came to a, a a strong team, and he has just exploded. He has been such a key element to what the Jazz are trying to get done. Yeah, I was real interested to see how Jordan Clarkson would fit into a winning situation because he hasn't been in many of them in his career. He was in Cleveland at the tail end uh, of the LeBron era, but Jordan Clarkson, to me, as far as the NBA career goes, has always been kind of a volume scoring guy on a bad team or a badish uh, type of team. But as you said, as he's played in, in the brief time in Utah, it looks like he's been just what the doctor ordered for a, a bench that's really needed a boost. And, you know, to replace, you know, to, to plug, uh, swap out uh, Dante Exum, who just wasn't really working out in Utah for a guy that can give you instant offense and doesn't need, you know, to run plays for him, to create his own shot, do a whole bunch of different things. Um, it, it's really it's really a big, big, uh, big boost there. It's just a great acquisition from – from Dennis Lindsay and Justin Zanuck and that staff to, to go out and, and get a guy like that at this point in the season. You know, you saw, look at the trade deadline, how many teams out there were looking for shooting or scoring or some variation of it? I mean, everybody was. Uh, the Jazz got their deal done before, you know, weeks before it, and, and I think that's going to pay dividends for them uh, in the postseason. And Jake was the one that brought this up earlier, Chris, against a team like the Rockets, a team that has ousted the Jazz the last couple of years in the playoffs with that switching defense. It's as though now the Jazz have Donovan Mitchell, they have Jordan Clarkson, they have Mike Conley, who can go ahead and play isolation basketball and make them pay for that stuff. Yeah, yeah, they can. And, I mean, look, the the – if they wind up meeting again in the postseason, it'll be a completely different type of Rockets team. Be the one you saw last night without a Clint Capella or any other type of big man. I mean, I'm curious as the season goes on, do they are they just preserving Tyson Chandler to see if he has anything left in the tank so they can maybe use him in the playoffs? But they're going to be just you kind of throw out the history if you wind up playing them in the postseason because of how how different they are and they. 
they might be the most unique postseason team I've ever seen because of how small they'll play and how, how willing they'll be to play a 6'6 P.J. Tucker 30-plus minutes a night at that center spot and really nobody else over six foot seven, you know, playing significant minutes. So um, it's just going to be really an interesting case study and in what works in the NBA. It's, it's the Rockets throwing conventional wisdom completely out the window and seeing if they can win with a unique offense. Chris Mannix, senior NBA writer with us on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. And don't get me wrong, Chris, I am a proud radio bozo, and I love juicy inside stories about teams having trouble. But how bad is it in Philadelphia right now? You know, it's bad, and I guess I, you can't speak to the degree of bad, but all you can, all you need to do is kind of look at what you see on the floor and, you know, what's coming out of that locker room. You know, I, I, don't, I don't know if they, they dislike each other necessarily internally, but they clearly don't play well together. Uh, every, you know, few days there's some player commenting about what's going on, you know, behind those closed doors and the need for things to change, but – yeah, I mean, just importantly, they're not built to, to win in today's NBA. I mean, you've got to have shooting to win the NBA. I mean, Brett Brown's taking a beating, but what's Brett Brown supposed to do? I mean, is he you going to turn Josh Richardson into a 40% three-point shooter? You're going to, you know, make Al Horford. I mean, Al Horford struggled from three, but he's never been this kind of, you know, lethal three-point shooter. He's been a good shooter as a big man. Ben Simmons won't shoot. Uh, Joel Embiid. It kind of do it does the team a disservice when he's out there beyond the three point line shooting. I mean, you know they bring in Alec Burks and Glenn Robinson, but you know, those are two guys who are putting up numbers on a bad Warriors team. I I just can't imagine that you know the trade off of playing them being all that effective. Uh, so I don't I don't know what you do. The roster is poorly constructed. And, you know, every time I think about you know Philadelphia, I, I just think like you know they made a lot of big decisions. It seems off of you know a Kawhi Leonard shot that bounced four times and went in. Like if if that shot doesn't go in, maybe the Sixers go on to win that game. Maybe they go on to get to the finals. Maybe they win the championship, for all we know. But they got beat in the second round. They responded to that by not offering Jimmy Butler a five-year contract and you know letting J.J. Redick get away. So you know those two players, I think, would be uh, better fits right now than what they have in Philadelphia. I, I just I, I just don't see this ending in a positive way. And if it doesn't, I think we could be in for a significant change in Philadelphia. Meanwhile, three teams in front of the Sixers, along with the Heat, the Bucks, the Raptors, and Celtics are the hottest teams in the league right now. I mean, the Raptors have won 14 straight, and the Bucks are on a roll, and the team, a team you're very familiar with, the Celtics, seem to be putting it together. I mean, the Raptors are just absurd. I mean, who would have thought that the Raptors, you know, a couple of weeks ago, or I mean, who would have thought the Raptors a few months ago would be sitting there at the trade deadline and saying, you know what, we're good. We're good. We're going to keep our big contracts that are expiring at the end of the year at we're going to play this out, but they're now as big a threat as anybody to to meet Philadelphia or meet Milwaukee in that conference finals, and and that could be really interesting, given the fact that there's a lot of pressure on Milwaukee to advance this year, and no pressure whatsoever on Toronto, and they've got some guys that are extremely battle tested in in those types of situations. I mean, it's it, it's tough in the East. I mean, I think you know you still have the uh, you know I mean outside of Milwaukee, I think the tougher teams are probably in the West, but. You know, if you're Philadelphia, you got to be looking up, thinking like, how do we get by these teams? How do we beat them when Ben Simmons won't shoot a three or won't shoot beyond 15 feet? I mean, Ben's a great player. I mean, a deserved All Star, but if he's not going to shoot, you're not going to succeed. I mean, they were able to get by last year because they put him in that dunker position and they let Jimmy Butler kind of play the the point guard. Jimmy Butler's not there. There's nobody there that can do what Butler 
could do last year. So, you know, they're in trouble. I mean, with the Celtics and the Raptors and the, and the Bucks, like th- those teams are, are not going anywhere. Miami made those upgrades um, at key positions, so they're not going anywhere. And, and Philadelphia, they're just not going to be able to improve organically uh, offensively to, I think, re- really be a contender. How much better did Miami get? Uh, the Jazz have them Wednesday before the break. They got a lot better, especially on, on the defensive end. But as you heard from, you know, Pat Riley had a conference call, and and you could sort of hear and read the lament in his voice to not get Gallinari. I mean, that was the guy that probably would have made them a real threat to the Bucks. I mean, Gallinari is anyone that's watched Oklahoma City this year is you know a legitimate you know, versatile score gives you about twenty points per game. That's badly needed, I think. In in uh, in Miami, but you get Iguodala, and as you saw in that opener, he, he's in shape. He played twenty plus minutes in that first game, and he's going to take a lot of pressure off Jimmy Butler uh, defensively. Uh, some of the other moves they made, they're they're okay. You know, they get some they have some pieces there, but I just I just think there might be a ceiling on this team that wouldn't exist if they were really able to get Danilo Gallinari. That was the one guy I thought that might have turned them into you know kind of conference finals contender to maybe championship contender. Are you still high, Chris, on the Clippers? You think they're the team to beat in the West? I mean, yeah, especially since I mean, look, it's the Lakers, Clippers, one one A. You can interchange them, but the Lakers didn't get Darren Collison. That, that's a big story that I don't think enough people are talking about. That's, I mean, that was a guy I think they were counting on to, to come in and eventually become their starting point guard. I mean, they still the, the numbers they have with Rajon Rondo aren't very good. Uh, Caruso's been okay. Every Bradley's been okay, but. You know, Darren Collison, if he was anything close to the player we saw in the last couple of years, is an excellent three-point shooter, a good game manager, a guy that's been in the playoffs uh, for, for several years. Uh, I mean, he would have been a good fit with that group. And his decision not to, uh, not to come back, I think that, that, uh, that hurts the Lakers significantly. The Clippers still have kind of a front-court issue. They, excuse me, they could use a little bit of rebounding, but you know, getting Morris was a nice fit for them. And, and, I, and I think they're, they're well-positioned to be the team that comes out of the West. You going to Chicago, Chris? I will be there Saturday. Yeah, I've got a, a fight that I've got to do in Anaheim for the zone on Friday night, and then I'll be on the first thing burning uh, Saturday morning to get out there. What's the fight? It's uh, Ryan Garcia, who's this incredibly popular 135-pounder. He's got like 4.5 million Instagram followers. He's like got all. He's got everything. He's basically to give the, the bullet point version of him. He's got everything that Oscar De La Hoya had at that point in his career. He's 21 years old. Good-looking amateur pedigree, you know, on the brink of a world title, and and he's got, you know, Oscar. Obviously, Instagram didn't exist in '92 when Oscar came out of the Olympics, but uh, Ryan Garcia has got the kind of following that not just you know boxers, but athletes in general crave at that point in their careers. So, I'm really interested to see if he pans out as the real deal of the next couple of years. Well, Chris, we'll look forward to uh, uh, I guess hearing what you learned in Chicago over the All Star break, and uh, keep an eye on Donovan and Rudy for us, huh? You got it, guys. All right. Thanks, buddy. All right. Chris Mannix, senior NBA writer for Sports Illustrated. You know, he's uh, he's pretty high on the Jazz, you know. I, I He's not picking them to come out of the West, but uh, I don't think he would be shocked if they did. No, and uh, but Chris has been fairly consistent on the just give Mike Conley time thing. And I think that's part of the reason because he, he sees, like I think we all saw before the season, what the potential could be. Mm-hmm. But Mike Conley had some issues getting comfortable and then had some issues with injury. And, you know, uh, people get a little impatient when he was going to start playing like Mike Conley again. And I think we're seeing that come around. And I think that's why he remains positive on the Jazz. I don't want to put words in his mouth, but it seems that way to me. So, question for you. 
Giannis Antetokounmpo is going to miss the Bucks game against the Kings. You know why? Why is that? Because of the birth of his first child. All right. That's cool. So is that all right? I mean, how do you feel when, when personal stuff overlaps into professional stuff when it comes to sports? I think you used the, the word that sums it up nicely, Gordon, personal. I mean, those are deeply personal things that you should be allowed to make personal decisions on, on where your priorities or your attentions uh, should lie. I mean, I, I don't know, Gordon, I've only been through it once. You went through it uh, five times. But if I were a basketball player and I knew that my wife was having a baby while I was playing basketball, I don't think I could play. I don't think I could focus. Could you? Could you focus on, on playing basketball? I mean, that would be... That would be difficult. And maybe other people could, and they would make that decision to prioritize that. No judgment there. I'm just saying, like, you deserve to make that decision for yourself. Well, I'm you not think? giving Giannis a medal for this, uh, but but I think it does indicate a certain priority that uh, I welcome. But if he made another decision that he wanted to play, I'm not going to judge him there either. Yeah, true. It's fine. It's that That's the point. It's happening to him. It's a personal thing. We should not be telling him what to do in those cases. In I like opinion. the support of the club, though. In, right. When, when someone makes a decision like that, that they throw in behind him. Like, good for you. Right. You, you do what, what's uh, – and I think the Jazz have always been that way, you know. And they, they, regardless, whether Quinn was coaching, whether Jerry was coaching, uh, these are tough competitors. These are focused, laser-focused men who, who have it uh, – who have priorities in order, I think. And I think if that was a jazz player, we've seen that in the past when jazz players have had certain personal things come up. But I, I, I think it's kind of nice because nobody questions uh, Giannis's competitiveness, man. That guy is a freaking warrior. He is. And so if he decides to miss a game because he's got personal things to take care of, then good on him. Well, look at the look at it for a story from the other side. Uh, Isaiah Thomas, a couple of years ago during the playoffs, deserved or, or well deserved, but uh, received a lot of um, credit or or a lot of praise, maybe is the right word, when his sister died, and he mm. played that. Did he play that night or did he play the next day? I can't remember. It was right right at that same time. And and he deserved the 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 praise for being there for his team and and going on and those sorts of things. But if he had made the opposite decision. Mm-hmm. I would not have blamed him, and I would have hoped that he would have gotten similar praise. Yep. Well said. All right. Uh, joining us now in studio is our good friend Andrew Reinhardt from Wasatch Medical Clinic. Andrew is red the color of love. Oh, it is. Yes. Gordon's wearing red head to toe today. Valentine's Day. Colors, uh, yeah. And that was a weird question coming well, from you, you know, dressed in that, <laughs> in that get up. I know Andrew is not a doctor himself. But he's an expert in certain medical fields. But I think he is kind of like Dr. Love. <laughs> okay. What do you think about that, the Andrew? The ED guy. Yeah. You know, just what I always wanted to be. Hey, that's that's all right. You know what? We, we're laughing, and, and I'm glad we can laugh because, you know what? It, you can have some fun with a really serious topic. But the truth is you help a lot of people. We help a lot of guys. Yeah, we had a 76-year-old patient in the clinic, I don't know, two or three weeks ago, had had erectile dysfunction, ED, for 10 years. Mm. Nothing worked. Um pills, injections. He was considering surgery. He was about a week into our treatments, which is halfway through and seeing fantastic results. Wow. So he told us it was the only thing that ever truly works. 
and we see that all the time. Um, 76 years old. So if you're out there listening, um, you've got ED or you're noticing that things are headed in the wrong direction, we can help you. We've seen so many cases, so many different health history situations and problems, and the results have been fantastic. 801-901-8000 is the number to call to get on the schedule. 801-901-8000. And maybe if guys are, are a little embarrassed or maybe they're not sure, uh, this is what I love about your promotion with the station on top of the little extra yep. thing you're doing for Valentine's Day. But is, is you can go get checked out by a doctor and take the risk out of it and find out if this will work. Yes. Uh, you're likely listening to this and thinking, I have questions. Well, am I a good candidate? Well, what about this medication I'm taking? Or what about my diabetes? Um, call us now. We'll do an assessment and an exam with a medical doctor. Uh, he'll do a blood flow ultrasound. You'll be able to hear blood flow and if there's any blockages. It's really cool. That's totally free if you call us. Um, that's You can get information. You can say, uh, great, let's do it, or let's wait a year. Also, if you come in and get started, we'll give you... Um, a special gift. This is we've never done this before. This is a special deal. It's totally free. It produces instant results in the bedroom. Valentine's Day promotion. 801-901-8000-801-901-8000. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you, guys. There's Andrew Reinhardt from Wasatch Medical Clinic. More straight ahead on the big show, 975 and 1280 the zone. This is DJ and PK. We were discussing Utah Jazz. Two things to watch here. Two I th- things. I think the biggest one. The biggest one here. Why, why do you do this? <laughs> <laughs> setting the stage. No, you're not. I'm you're mocking. To, I'm not mocking. I I'm haven't trying even to done prop it. you up. I'm setting the stage because I'm your partner and I'm here to support no, and I, uplift. I, I, I'm basically <laughs> a bra. DJ and the bra. <laughs> would you watch that movie? No. It'd be horrifying. That movie would be a My bust. goal here oh, right time. now, as you get ready to enlighten us, is to support and uplift. I'm the Brazier. Catch DJ and PK mornings from 6 till 10. Presented by WCF Insurance. Reminding you to be careful out there. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. I'm here to introduce the best coverage of the teams you're passionate about from the guys you know and trust. Go Town! Turn it up. You're listening to The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Presented by Mountain America Credit Union. Guiding members forward for over 80 years. Yeah, yeah. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Six seconds left. Down by two. Here we go. Who's going to take this shot to try to tie or win? Ingles hold it. Fakes a pass. Finds Bogdanovich. Outside to bogey. Contested three. He's crowded. Three. Boyan Bogdanovich! Boyan Bogdanovich! Bogdanovich! Say it again! Boyan Bogdanovich! Holy cow! struggling for much of this game, but you were able to come in clutch when it mattered. Take me inside your mindset on that final game-winning play. I mean, first of all, I I wasn't supposed to be on the court on the, on the last play the way I played whole game, but that's the that's the coaching staff. They believe in me. They they gave me opportunity to shoot two game winning winning shot. I stay I stay confident. I know that uh, that I'm able 
able to, to hit all shots and uh, at the end of the game it's a very important W for us. Big win for the Utah Jazz last night in Houston. Boyan Bogdanovich with a game winner at the buzzer. By the way, his second shot of such this year, he beat Milwaukee earlier. He's the only player in the NBA right now with two this season, last second buzzer beating game winning shots. How do you define last second? You mean within? At the buzzer. Okay. So is that like within three seconds? If the buzzer goes off. Okay. Was it yeah. was was there any was there a play after it? Yeah. No. So it so was, that's where the, the whole the, buzzer beating thing comes yes, in. Yes, yes, I know. I I just wondered how liberal you were being. <laughs> you know, the other one that left corner three he hit was a thing of beauty. Not last second buzzer beating shot, however. Wasn't it? No. It how many seconds? Could have been a game winning shot. Oh. But considering it did not come at the buzzer. You see where we're going here. I do. All right, uh, let's get out to Kristen Kinney. Uh, her interview brought to you by our friends at Divi. Divi, the modern financial platform for business. See how you can spend smarter at getdivi.com. Out to the Sprint special guest line we go. Lease any phone and get an iPad or a Samsung Tab A for $99.99. Visit the Sprint store nearest you. Of course, she makes magic happen for AT&T Sportsnet. Our good friend Kristen Kinney. Hi, Kristen. How are you? Hey guys, that was one wild game. Yeah, tell us, uh, take us through it from your perspective. That game-winning shot. Did you think it was going down? Oh my gosh! I no, <laughs> that was wild. Uh, he was double teamed and kind of just threw it up. And man, that was unexpected and the best reaction ever. Because I was right there on the court, just trying to watch up on the jumbotron at that point, and. And the reaction from all the guys on the bench, it just was awesome. Awesome. Where were you guys watching it? And I'm curious your reaction, too, because we all were going wild. Yeah, it didn't go wild, but it was it was a, it was a wow moment. Uh, that's for sure. Did you go wild, Gordon? I didn't go wild, no. <laughs> Jake probably did. did Jake do? No, no, I wouldn't say wild. I was sitting here in this exact spot, Kristen, as you know, getting ready for the post game. So I immediately grabbed my headphones. That's what I did. <laughs> Well, yeah. I was about to jump up. I was, I think, jumping up and down. If, you, if the camera was on me, you would have seen me wanting to get in on that celebration. And Bowler, Bowler was loving it. We all, it was so much fun. By the way, I'm in the press room right now with Bowler, uh, and he gives a shout out to Alvin. Alvin. <laughs> yeah, that's. There's, we hear there's a chipmunk. Yeah, Gordon. Yeah. Gordon is dressed in red today, and he does look like <laughs> Alvin, the chipmunk. Uh, yeah. Well, thanks. Uh, all right, that's what word on the street is here in Dallas. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, unfortunately. We're, we're just letting the whole press room here know. Oh, good. Gordon Monson, okay. a.k.a. Alvin the Chipmunk. Yeah, that's me. That's me. You should talk like him, though, to see if you can do I the agree. voice. I agree. Uh, I'll see if I Gordon, can Gordon, go ahead. He, I, I can't do it. You can't do uh, it. Huh? I okay. can't do it. We'll try. But call yeah. the, call the, that, that nice buzzer beater in the Alvin voice. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be about going. Austin can, Hey, how about, that, how about this? Okay. Call, call the buzzer beater in your normal voice real quick, and by the end of the interview, I bet Austin could get that sounding like Alvin. You think so? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. All right, Gordon, ready? All right, Kristen, here we go. Gordon's going to describe the last play for us. Uh, do you want me to do it like I'm calling it? Whatever you want to do. Bogdanovich takes the pass from Ingles. He shoots a three-pointer. It's in the, it's in the uh, I don't know. In the cup, okay. there you go. All right, uh, Kristen. Uh, that game was kind of interesting because uh, the Jazz started. Uh, they they didn't really fall behind by a huge number, but 
they were treating the ball like a hot potato for a while. There are so many turnovers, and yet they didn't let that get them down. And sometimes a team can get a little down, and then they get blown off the floor. The Jazz didn't allow that. Yeah, I think that happened the last game, too, just at home. You know, trailing and then being able to lock it in and and bring it and turn it on when it matters the most. Um, those timely plays and really tightening things up there in the third quarter. But, yeah, you look at the turnovers, and I think historically against this Houston team, the way they defend and the switching defense, it poses some challenges for a lot of teams. So, um, But just being able to continue – to attack uh, Jordan Clarkson, to attack the way he did, really finding finding the seams in their defense. That was huge. And also with Bogey to continue to press on. I mean, here's a guy in the first half that was scoreless, but he didn't let that impact him. As he said in that walk-off interview, he felt confident because of the trust he had from his coaching staff and from his teammates. I like the way you asked that question, by the way, because you essentially, you didn't say it in so many, in exact words, but you said it in so many words, you know, Bogey, you kind of suck through this whole game, and then you hit the game winner, you know. And he he knew. I wonder it. if I would have said that, Bogey, you sucked, <laughs> and then hit the game winner. But he knew. He knew he hadn't played he knew. well. Mm-hmm. Struggling was the the key word. He totally knew because he said he shouldn't have even been on the floor at that point because of the game he was playing. And when he was asked in the locker room afterwards about whether it was um, how they were defending him or what he wasn't doing, he took full credit for what he wasn't doing. He said that he wasn't showing up, and it wasn't so much about Houston. It was about him and having to push through that. And so so that's interesting, too, is that he had to push through that, and when it mattered most, he did. Christine, it seems like Mike Conley has played a lot better these last three games. What are you seeing? Yeah, I love Mike Conley watching him play now. He really seems to be in the groove. It's interesting because just a couple days ago, um, you know, I think it was around that fourth straight loss and the fifth straight loss, he was asked about how he's playing well, but how he feels, you know, because the record isn't showing. Um, and he said, yeah, he all, all he cares about is their record and wants to get back to that, the winning ways with the team. So I think the last two games, you know, obviously it's having, having coming away with these two wins is huge. And also the fact that Mike is finding his groove. So yeah, he just cares about winning, but yeah, he's been he's been on a roll, and I think again, it's just learning the system and being able to have the time to watch um, and start to really learn how these guys where they want it, their nuances uh, and whatnot. Yeah, it's good to see. Kristen, I'm going to go back to that game winner again. Did you ever get the lowdown on? Was it always meant to go to Bogdanovich, or was there a first look to uh, to Donovan, or what what took place there? So when we were talking to him in the locker room, yeah, it was bogey. That's that's what they said. So they drew it up, and and that was the the play. And they had faith in him and confidence in him, even though he was doubled. So yeah, they they went with him, and um, it's incredible. I mean, really, really, it's so awesome that to may, have it in that way. That may turn out to be the shot of the season because I think that the psyche of the Jazz it was a little bit fragile. And they have to be riding high. I don't know how it's going to go tonight on the back end of a back-to-back, but uh, that could play a big role, I think, for one single play. Yeah, they're feeling good. When you have something like that, a moment like that, and you're able to capitalize, especially for a guy who is cold all night, they're riding this wave of momentum for sure coming into Dallas tonight. And I think they know know, that is a confidence booster. And no matter – how back and forth the game is, the runs, and how they're able to withstand the runs. I mean, Houston, huge, timely threes, but Bogey was able to answer. That's a huge confidence booster. And I love how he said that that 
was definitely better than Milwaukee because it was. The Jazz needed this one. Houston has been a rivalry. It's been a tough matchup for us, and to finish the way we did just makes it even more remarkable and enjoyable. Kristen, what time did you guys get in, I guess, early this morning, likely? And uh, are we expecting a tired team after such a, I mean, a lot of energy went into that game last night? You know, we didn't get in that late because it was an early tip. I think and it was only a 45-minute flight. So we got in about midnight. Yeah. That's yeah, Bowler's confirming with me midnight. So I think I think we have some uh, – <laughs> T said, too, yeah, midnight. You think the guys are, are a little tired or no? No, nope, no, nope, we don't think so. We think they're feeling good. That momentum's going to carry over in, into tonight, the adrenaline. So what are you expecting in tonight's game uh, as far as the way these two teams match up? Um, I, you know, we we beat them at home. I think it's, um, you know, they're without their key guys, but that obviously doesn't matter. I think if we just come in knowing we're having that confidence, and like you kind of said before, is when you have these turnovers and you have these lapses, just to push through it, and now having that confidence that pushing through it has paid off the last two games, I think that's what it's going to come down to tonight is, is feeling that confidence and ready to right out of the gate bring it tonight. You know, that's a strong point because it might not matter who they're playing. It's, it's a matter of the Jazz focusing on what they have to get done and, and sort of forcing uh, their will upon uh, whoever it is they're playing. Yeah, you, we've seen these guys in, guys out. We were facing Houston when they were without their stars and Eric Gordon went off. Um, we just saw it against um, Denver and Portland when they had seven guys on the court. And, you know, I think these are the things that we learned as a team that just to push through. And that confidence, as you guys know, goes a long way. All right. Are we ready to hear Alvin make the call here? Ooh, Alvin, can we hear it? Did you guys? Oh, my gosh. Should I, I put it on speaker for the guys? Yeah, I, th- I think you should, in, <laughs> in fact. Okay. We're on uh, speaker here. You, Gordon is dressed like Alvin, and here's Gordon's description of the final play last night. Mike Donovich takes the pass from Ingles. He shoots a three-pointer. It's in the, it's in the uh, I don't know. It's in the cup. <laughs> I don't know. You guys, that is the that needs to go all over Twitter. That's a highlight. Oh, I agree. I agree. Yeah, that is amazing. Can you make Bowler's voice do that too? <laughs> That's a bigger challenge. But and maybe. David Locke. Oh my gosh, that would be hilarious. <laughs> Some people take that sort of uh, deprecation a little better than others, you know. But uh, oh. speak, speaking of Bowler, uh, what's it like working with Way him? Way to change I, the I, subject, I, man. Oh, what, you want oh, me to Lisa's pet name for me is Bowler. <laughs> Way to just change the subject. <laughs> Sorry, excuse oh, me. You know Go what? Ahead. I love talking about Bowler. What's it like to work with Bowler? Yeah, he's a pain, he's a pain in the butt, isn't he? He's a terrific he's a BSer. <laughs> <laughs> no, Bowler, honestly, he's the best. I mean, when I first got it, uh, to the Jazz, Bowler was like my mentor man, helping me out along the way. And, oh, yeah, now he's Big T's mentor. Big T's letting you know. he's he's He has mentor ability, which is page 10 in the dictionary. <laughs> Um, no, but it, we always have a good time. We're we're super close, all like family on the road. It's so fun. Well, Kristen, thank you very much for jumping on with us, and we'll be watching tonight. All right, guys. It'll be fun. <laughs> See you later. I, I don't know. It's in a cup. <laughs> Kristen's interview brought to you by our friends at Divi, the modern financial platform for business. See how you can spend smarter at getdivi.com. Can we hear the whole thing one more time? Is, is that is that too much to ask that we can get Alvin's call one more time? 
Bogdanovich takes the pass from Ingles. He shoots a three-pointer. It's in the it's in the uh, I don't know. It's in the cup. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's in the cup. Oh, I don't know. Well, Lisa, it's I don't know. Where's the do we have a cup? <laughs> I don't know. This is ridiculous. I don't know. This is ridiculous. <laughs> that is so great. Oh, I love that so much. <laughs> I don't know. It's in a cup. <laughs> now I want to find like iconic play-by-play, like Al Michaels and the Miracle on Ice, and make it in chipmunks. And, chipmunks. and then put Gordon in there. Well, and our our boy David got pretty his vocal uh, range got pretty up there himself on that Bogdanovich call. If we go Alvin on Locke's call there, that might be look like I said, like cer- a like cer- a dog cer- whistle. Certain people take these kinds of things a little better than others. Oh, Locke's not that sensitive. We can have fun with it. Come all right, on, all right, come well, on. What are the other Locke's a good sport? Alvin, Simon, Theodore. Simon Theodore. Do, 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 do. <laughs> Ingles hold it. Fakes a pass. Finds Bogdanovich. Contested three. Good! Boyan Bogdanovich! Boyan Bogdanovich! Say it again! Boyan Bogdanovich! That was amazing! That was, that was amazing! <laughs> wow. We should do, uh, we should do this more. Uh, I don't know. It's in the cup. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It's in the cup. What's he doing on the floor? <laughs> that was awesome. He doesn't even belong on the floor! Uh, all right. Stay tuned. It is the big show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, Not Sports Port next. 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. It's in the cup. This is Tony Parks and Austin Horton. You look for different moments that can be kind of signature moments of a season. This Jazz team hadn't played well in a while. They kind of got away with one in the game against Portland. There they are on the road. A team that had their way there for a little while. And the Jazz found a way to win it, man. That was fun. Two games this season now where Boyan Bogdanovich has been the absolute nail-biter difference. I have watched that replay at least 20 times from all the different angles. I don't know how he got that shot off. Pretty much 9 out of 10 people thought the game was over oh, when Tucker yeah. hit that 3. Fun stuff for the Utah Jazz and an important moment as they try to leave the doldrums of the last two weeks behind and go into the All-Star break. Tony Parks and Austin Horton, weekdays from 10 to noon on 97.5-1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Check this out. And now, your Not Sports Report on 97.5-1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. It is Monday. That means it's time to get a winner for the Chevy Strong Play of the Game. Be caller 12 right now, 855-340-ZONE, and correctly identify the Chevy Strong Play of the Game announced by David and Pat this morning at 8.50, and you'll win a Zone prize pack. It's the Chevy Strong Play of the Game brought to you by your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealers. Time for the Not Sports Board, brought to you by the LHM Used Car Supermarket. Over 1,000 used vehicles in inventory. Shop online, lhmusedcars.com. We had a lot of fun with the 
the chipmunk calls during the break there. We did. We uh, yeah, it's we, in the cup. We even heard Bogdanovich talking in the chipmunk we, voice. We did. You know what? I'd kind of like to hear at some point, Austin. Not that we can do this right now, but uh, it, I'd love to hear the uh, Greg Rubel Beck to Harleen. Because <laughs> what does our boy Ralph screaming in the background sound like in chipmunk mode? Because that's got to be pretty amazing, right? Right. That would be great. I'll, anyway, I'll work well, on it. You know, just, just off the top of that. All right, where are we going today, Gordon? We're going to Kansas, or Kansas City area, metropolitan area. Missouri, Kansas, I don't know which side of the river this story is from. But let me start by asking you this. Before you met Naz, how desperate were you for a girlfriend? Uh, I don't know, desperate. I don't know if I was desperate. I probably, you know, wouldn't mind having a girlfriend. I don't know. I, I always uh, heard the phrase "desperation is a stinky cologne." <laughs> so yeah, it makes I, you less desirable, right? If yeah, you're desperate. Exactly. Well, the reason I ask is uh, there's a there's a gentleman in Can- in the Kansas City area. I believe he's like 47 years old or something, and he has put up a website. Uh, where he uh, he is asking for the public's help in getting him a girlfriend. He doesn't have one, and apparently he is having some difficulty getting Miss Ms. Wright. Mm-hmm. So he launched a website over the weekend. It's called DateJeffG.com. Jeff Gebhardt is his name. He is offering twenty five thousand dollars to anyone who can hook him up 25k twenty five thousand dollars and you might say okay how do you define finding him a girlfriend because on the website it says find me a girlfriend and i'll pay you twenty five thousand dollars and there's a little star by it and then it says seriously but then later on the in the website he says, I will give the 25000 of my own personal money if someone will at least go out on a date, out on a couple of dates with me. So it doesn't even have to result in marriage, apparently. Okay, so my question real quick here, is this like a finder's fee? Like, if if I find you a date, you're going to give me twenty five k, Or is he putting up twenty five k for a woman to go out with him? No. Because you know there's a, there's a very old profession <laughs> no. out there. <laughs> that uh, he probably could put that twenty five k to you know. No, I think this good is more, use. This is more a finder's fee. All right, so if you because if you were going to use it in the professional sense, then that really wouldn't be a girlfriend, would it? But you just said he wasn't looking for a girlfriend. He, he just wanted a couple of dates. No, but he's it's it's, it's the, the the gist of it is he wants a girlfriend. Well, I'll tell you what, twenty five k will buy him well more than a <laughs> than a couple of dates. No, see, you're missing the point. 25K might buy him a girlfriend, at least for a couple of months. He doesn't want physical relations in and of itself. I'm not talking about that. Oh, I thought you were. Well, The oldest profession and all that. I'm just saying that doesn't have to be part of it. You're just paying for their time, are you not? He wants a relationship. Is what he wants. You said he wanted a couple of dates. Well, I mean, okay, there's some wiggle room there. But twenty five thousand to find himself a girl mm. or a woman. <laughs> well, we'll see if this works for him. I guess huh? I imagine it will. Well, you should see the guy. I mean, look, he's uh, he's very physically fit. 
I don't, a, I, I don't care. I don't need to see the guy. <laughs> I don't know whether he needs Andrew's services at all, but uh, he, he he seems to be, uh, a, you know, a catch. A Obviously, catch? he's not. <laughs> he's struggling to find the worm on the hook. But what? anyway, he's uh, offering the twenty-five grand. So uh, if anybody knows of anybody, wouldn't the twenty-five would be... grand be the worm on the hook? <laughs> Whatever. Don't, I'm not breaking it down, all right? I'm just saying that the man's willing to pay a finder's fee. If anybody knows anybody they think would be a good match for him, he's he's got the money out of the wallet. All right, real quick, some jazz news for you. Mike Conley will not play tonight uh, on the second half of a back-to-back, so probably managing that hamstring injury a little bit. But Mike Conley will not play tonight in Dallas against the Jazz. Do you know what that means? What? A whole lot of uh, Joe Ingles and uh, Donovan Mitchell. That's not where I thought you were going. So no, good, that's what good. it means. Those right. guys will be initiating Terrific. the offer. Outstanding. Joining us now in studio, our friend Andrew Reinhardt from Wasatch Medical Clinic, here to help you with your love life around Valentine's we Day. We are. It's coming up on Friday, guys. Uh, we have a treatment for erectile dysfunction that we've seen work across the board. Uh, about eight or nine years ago, the FDA cleared a device um, that regrows blood vessels. It was used on the bottom of the feet. It was used on some joint pain. Um, it's called shockwave or acoustic wave. And somewhere along the line, they started using it for ED. Uh, we have specialized that treatment and gotten very good at getting guys back to normal function in the bedroom. Um, we can restore the blood flow into this part of the body where you want it, when you want it. Uh, and the best part is no pills. You do not have to continue to take the pill, deal with the side effects. Things work like they used to spontaneously. I would imagine that's one of the most uh, appealing parts of all this is to getting back to normal. The preparation has got to be obnoxious with the other treatments. Yeah, definitely. I think 90% of the guys that come into our clinic, not everybody, but most guys that come in, um, have had failures with the medication in one way or another. That could be the side effects. That could be that they didn't work or they stopped working. And they say every single time, I just want it to work like it used to. I don't want to have to think about it. I need to get back to my younger years. And as far as I know, this is the only treatment that does that. And with listeners uh, listening right now, I think they may be a candidate or wondering about that sort of thing. You're going to do the doctor's visit for free so they can come in and find out. Yeah. If you're out there struggling with erectile dysfunction, feeling the frustrations of this, um, we know it can be embarrassing uh, to, to get it treated. We know that and we know guys are hesitant. Call us now. We're doing the assessment exam. Uh, with a medical doctor and a blood flow ultrasound, that's totally free. Uh, in preparation for Valentine's Day, we don't do this offer um, regularly. We'll give you something that will produce instant results in the bedroom, totally free. Uh, in addition, so you'll be ready for Valentine's Day. And just call us now. It's all free. 801-901-8000 is the number. 801-901-8000. Give them a call. Wasatch Medical Clinic. Thanks, Andrew. Thank you. More of the big show coming up next. Stay tuned. 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. 
So put your hands together and please welcome. This is Utah's best sports radio. You're listening to The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Presented by Mountain America Credit Union. Guiding you forward on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Is everybody ready? Let's get rolling. This is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. It's The Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Thank you very much for making us a part of your Monday. We greatly appreciate it. Been talking a lot of jazz basketball today. Um, uh, Mike Conley not going to play tonight against Dallas. We'll get to that a little bit later on. But uh, wanted to uh, run some football news by you, Gordon. We haven't talked football for a minute. Okay. Uh, we did chat about Jason Shelley transferring or entering the transfer portal. We did. Uh, and um, you, you brought up the fact that uh, he switched uh, to safety in December in preparation for the Alamo Bowl. He even got in the Alamo Bowl as a safety but then uh, transferred, kind of indicating that uh, he might want to play quarterback. Well, Jason Shelley Sr. had a conversation with your Salt Lake Tribune and Josh Newman, the uh, beat writer for the Utes. And uh, I I was just curious to your reaction to this. Um, Here's what he said, quote, I was disappointed naturally. He played quarterback his whole life. He's always wanted to play quarterback. It's always been a dream of his. It was disappointing in the sense that he waited his time. He did everything right. He was a great teammate, always encouraging. When he was needed to step up, he did step up and played well. It's just disappointing that he didn't even get the opportunity to compete for it. Um. He talked about how, uh, let's see, he went on, he said, quote, never for one moment did he ever think it was just going to be given to him or that it should be given to him, but he still would have liked the opportunity to compete for it regardless of who was here or who was coming. That was disappointing to me that he didn't get the opportunity to compete for it. And then finally, he said, I know Jason is a loyal kid. He's a really good kid. He's a team first kid. I know all those things about him because that's how he was raised to be. I always knew he was going to give it a shot. He was going to do what was needed to help at the time. Going into the bowl game, he was going to give it a go at defensive back. Me personally, I always knew in his heart he wanted to play quarterback and to prove himself that he could prove to himself that he could. There was still a lot of room for growth, and the dream hasn't changed. Unquote. All right, uh, I I understand what's uh, what's being said there, and I, I think Jason Shelley was a good teammate. And I think Jason probably feels as though he wasn't really given a serious opportunity to uh, compete for the starting position. See, I'm I'm really torn. I'm really torn on this type of stuff. And let me let me say first that I uh, I get where Mr. Shelley Senior is coming from. He's Jason's dad, sure. and, and you know he's going to be in his camp. Uh, regardless, and I actually have no issue with what he's actually saying right here. I'm, I'm from an analyst standpoint, I'm a little divided on it because you can't really say you didn't get an, get an opportunity when you started many games. But for he's Utah. talking about it after that. I know season. he's talking about and, that. And he well, and look, he might not be right. I mean, the guys, the coaches may have looked at it objectively and made the decision that seemed to those who were close to Jason that he really was not being taken seriously as a candidate. And sometimes that impression is is left with certain players. 
And coaches do have, uh, you can call them biases. I mean, it's it's their judgment. And uh, it, for whatever reason, those who are in the powers that be decided that that's not the, the direction they wanted to go. And so I can understand a parent being somewhat disappointed. It sounds as though he's, he's kind of complaining and being an example of not a parent who is a, a good team parent. But he's just explaining, I think, their feeling. And I think when you lift, when you lift a lid on, on, on true feelings like that, uh, it's, it's probably a good thing. I agree. That's kind of why I prefaced it. I don't want to sound like I'm, I'm criticizing mm-hmm. uh, Mr. Shelley Sr. here because I, I, I get it. I get it. And, he's, was, not, and he's not out of line. No, okay? but, this is but his I, impression. I would disagree with their assessment, his assessment, that he didn't get an opportunity to compete for it. He did. And if he were good enough in that opportunity, they wouldn't have recruited over top of him. Or good enough in the eyes of the decision maker, which I've got to imagine is Andy Ludwig and Kyle Whittingham. Mm -hmm. And with those, he got an opportunity every day in practice. He got opportunities in games. And if he had proven himself good enough, they wouldn't have recruited over top of him. So I don't. In some games, he was good enough. It's not me making that assessment. It's not you making that right. assessment, Gordon. It's it's but I, but I'm trying to explain from a parent's perspective. I mean, you and I had this conversation as all of that was happening, and you and I thought that at times Jason Shelley looked like he had a better arm than Tyler Huntley did. I said after he beat Oregon that I thought he did enough that they should have opened it up for an open competition with Tyler Huntley before last year, which they did not do. And so, I, I mean, I, I agree with you. I thought Jason Shelley was great at times. Now, but, as it but turned they, out, they, Tyler Huntley had a terrific year last year on the whole, and it's, it's hard to argue with the decision that was made. But, again, from a parent's perspective, and, and maybe from a player's perspective as well, maybe he was given the impression, or at least that's the way it seemed, that he was not being taken fully seriously as a candidate. I think he got a lot more opportunity than a lot of quarterbacks when they go into D1 programs. I'm talking like, about afterward, after the, he started those games. They're, they're, then, the, then the competition was supposed to be open again, and that's when I think they felt as though he was brushed aside. So he had that opportunity in fall camp. Who's to say that these decisions have to be yeah, made in fall know, camp? You don't know exactly how much of a chance he was really given. He played in games. He played in practice. I'm talking about after that season. But why should they be beholden to make a decision on the future of their quarterback until after the season? In fact, I would think that would be foolish. Well, I don't know when they made the decision, but he's talking about in that offseason. He wants this offseason, he wanted Jason Shelley to be able to compete for the starting quarterback job. But they had enough information on Jason Shelley long before that to decide that he wasn't good enough. That's fair enough. And and in in their judgment. In their but, judgment. But obviously, maybe the Shelley family feels as though, okay, wait a minute, you needed to give this kid a better look. Which I don't blame because them for even, feeling even, that way, even, but I disagree. Even this last year, uh, he he wasn't even second string. Right. And so, that was surprising to me. Well, he had opportunities in camp and in practice. To solidify Jay, himself Jay, as a second string player, Jay, I, but I don't. That's not what he's saying. He's saying in the through the prism of these particular people who made the decision that they gave his son a little bit of short shrift. 
Now, you're saying they didn't, but in, from his view, he's kind of indicating that they did. That's why I said I don't blame him for saying that. This okay. is the perspective of the Shelley family. Right. One, he has every right to say whatever he wants. Two, I don't think he said anything offensive. Right. But I don't agree with his assessment from my perspective. And my guess is that Utah coaching, the Utah coaching staff would not agree with his assessment that Jason Shelley didn't get an opportunity. And in fact, I would make an argument that he got an opportunity to compete for it for three years. Yeah, but you, three don't, know, you years. don't know the inner workings of what was said, what was going on. And, and again, these are impressions that were given to certain individuals. And they were, that was what created their point of view. Okay, uh, let me let me ask you this, and I, I mean it some, somewhat tongue-in-cheek because it's, it's what happens all the time, but you mean co- a coaching staff telling a, a player exactly once he, what he wants to hear while he's useful and then not backing up that opinion when that player is not so useful Maybe. is something I, that's wrong? I just think that certain coaches, if it had been a, a different assemblage of coaches, they might have given him more of an opportunity, just depending upon the point of view of those who are in charge. So who's wrong here? That, well, no, nobody's wrong. I mean, should Utah not be allowed to assess their position? No, that's what they do. Are they required? I'm to? just saying that from from his perspective, you can see maybe that was the view he had, and I know you agree with that. But I don't think he's correct. But, but you know. Well, we don't know. We weren't we weren't in the middle of it the way he, they were. Well, the way Jason was. Yeah. Listen, I, I if you believe reports out there that Jason was told when he was recruited that there was a good chance that he would end up at safety in Utah's program, but much like Kyle Whittingham promised Chase Hansen, he told Jason Shelley that he could compete at the quarterback position, but his likely destination would be safety. Now, maybe but, that but report's wrong. The, according to the dad, his son was always a quarterback. According to the dad, right? Everyone is speaking from their no. Position. The, well, well, the dad said he wanted to be a quarterback, which I don't doubt. All right, but he I, he had the opportunity to to compete and prove that he was a starting quarterback in the Pac-12. And according to Utah coaches, he's not right. But I but don't seen, say that you didn't get an opportunity because he did. You don't. According did to he you. play? According to he you. He played. He got snaps. He got snaps in practice. He was in the program for three years. Are you telling me they just told him to stand no, on the is, side? This is what I'm saying, Jake, that different coaches approach these things differently. And sometimes different coaches will come to a different conclusion than other coaches will. And I think they feel, uh, and again, we're reading between the lines here, but I think that the family felt as though that that the the uh, the how do you want to say it? The leaning wall of opportunity was leaning away from Jason Shelley as opposed to toward him. Whereas if somebody else had been making that judgment, maybe it would have gone a different way. I I, I don't know. We're speculating here, but obviously uh, Kyle Whittingham and Andy Ludwig have every right to make the decision that they think is best for the program, and that's. Typically, what coaches do—they're not in the business of of losing. They they want to play the guys who give them, in their view, the best chance of winning. And so, different perspectives—that's what life is all about. See, I 
what I find more offensive, I guess, in the world of college football is if is if a recruit gets recruited by Alabama, say, mm-hmm. and then uh, goes into the program, you know, kind of red shirts for a year or whatever, or competes at the bottom of the roster, practice squad or whatnot, and then the coaches the very next year decide a recruit has more potential than the recruit they've seen for a year, and then all of a sudden they get cut and recruit over the top of. That, that I, I would get any parent's frustration with that. Jason Shelley had three years but you don't in know, Utah's you don't, system as a quarterback. But you don't three know what went years. into that. See, that, that's the point of view of the parents or the parent, or in, in this case maybe the athlete as well, that he wasn't given as much of a chance as maybe other players were given. He's had more of a chance to succeed than Drew Lisk. Yeah, well, that's he's I'm played. Just, he's played I'm in just more games. You what what his what their point of view, where it would be coming from. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I don't know, but well, I'm not that, disputing that, was, that with that you. Their, I I get that parents. Was their indication. I get you know what I get is Jason Shelley doesn't want to move to safety. Don't move to safety. Yeah, I I got it. Mm-hmm. This is America. He can make that decision for himself. He can enter the transfer portal. I hope I hope he goes down to the FCS level. And the reason I say that is just because then he wouldn't have to sit out a year. I, I hope he goes he down. Sits out a year. I mean, if it's a better opportunity and a better program, then fine, fine, fine. Out. But I guess what I'm saying, I hope he drops down a level, and I throw. Hope he throws for six thousand yards, and then I hope he's starting for Washington the next year. You know, I he's, he seems like a great guy, and I hope he goes and proves Utah wrong. But to say that he didn't get an opportunity, I think, is actually unfair. That's we, an unfair well, we, criticism to know. Utah. You don't know that. Sure I do. He was in the program for three years. But you, don't, you don't think you they don't, were paying attention you, to him? You don't know what the attitude was. What attitude? Uh, Jake. The attitude of the, the, uh, the opinion not, of the people who he, matter? He's not saying it because he's just making the, pulling this out of thin air. That was their point of view. That he wasn't given as much of an opportunity. And again, I disagree. Okay. Well, that's fair enough. Do you disagree? I don't want to. I don't want to know Jason Shelley Senior's opinion. I, I, I want to know Gordon Monson's. I don't have enough information to be able to say one way or the other on it. Hmm. But from their point of view, based on the impressions that they got, that's from which they're from where they're speaking. And I don't know whether they're right or wrong. And I don't think you do either. Mm, I think he got an opportunity. I'm pretty confident in that opinion. I do know that because he started a a bunch of games and he practiced (laughs) with the team and he played quarterback for three years. We're talking past one another right now. And that's, but it's, so we'll just let, we'll let the crumbs fall. I don't, I don't understand how you're disagreeing with me. Because you don't know what the attitude of the coaches was. Yes, I do. Because they moved him to safety. Yes, I do, because they, they brought I'm him aside and they about, said, hey, Jason, I'm, we don't want you to play quarterback I'm anymore. About throughout the entire process. I know he got snaps in practice. Okay. I know he got snaps during the game. I know he spent three years on campus. These things I know. Okay, you know that, but you don't know what the coach's attitudes were. Yes, I do, because they switched him to safety. <laughs> Jake, I'm not, talking Gordon. About, I'm not talking about their conclusion. I'm talking about their attitude. I'm talking about the opportunity that he was afforded. Andrew, how you doing? 
<laughs> I'm frustrating Gordon today, which I, I apologize, Gordon. I'm sorry. It's 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 my fault, not yours. <laughs> Speaking of people frustrated, that's why Andrew is here. If you're frustrated with uh, your your love life, there's something you can do about it. Yeah, there is. Um, acoustic wave therapy is sweeping maybe the, maybe the country, but definitely around here, helping a lot of guys with erectile dysfunction. Such a frustrating and sensitive topic. Um, we have the first and only treatment I think that is not a form of medication. It is the root cause problem of ED, which is blood flow. Um, X-rays show that the blood vessels in this part of the body shrivel up and kind of die as a guy ages and his weight changes and all that. Um, And that causes a blockage of blood flow. That causes erectile dysfunction. Our treatment reverses that. So it opens up the blood vessels, rejuvenates everything, and normal blood flow means normal spontaneity. Guys, you don't have to take the pill anymore. We're seeing literally thousands of guys get off of the pill and get back to that normal function in the bedroom. And, you know, it, it seems like a, we, we've, uh, before I met you, Andrew, I didn't realize that there were so many downsides with the other treatments. They're, they're, the, the other options are terrible. Yeah, the pill is the side effects. Guys know about the headaches and the blurred vision. The injections, um, a lot of guys doing injections. A lot. I mean, a it lot just of sounds issues. Horrible. Yeah, yeah, you just, just leave it right at that. Injections, <laughs> they're horrible. Terrible. And we get guys off of that all the time. Um, I mentioned this earlier in the show, 76-year-old patient who nothing worked for him. For 10 years, nothing worked, and our treatment worked in just a week. Wow. So really quick results, and uh, it can get you back to normal. I bet he wishes he'd contacted you a long time ago. Yeah, yeah he does. And I say if we can help a 76- or an 80-year-old there's a very good chance we can help you guys out there listening. All right. 801-901-8000 is the number to call. 801-901-8000. And you're going to do the doctor's exam for free. We are. Last chance of the day for this, guys. Uh, call us now. Exam, analysis, blood flow, ultrasound. All of that's three. That's uh, free. That's a $300 value. Uh, also, in light of this week, which is Valentine's Day, um, come in and get started on our treatment. We'll give you something that produces instant results in the bedroom. You'll be ready for Friday. I have not seen it fail yet. 801-901-8000. Andrew, thank you so much. Thanks, guys. And that's Andrew from Wasatch Medical Clinic. That number again, 801-901-8000. Gordo, I'm... I'm turning you loose. I'm, I'm sorry that uh, that we're ending the big show on such a negative note. No, I feel I just feel terrible. It's it's not your fault. It's mine. No, no, I, it's I really mean that. It's it's it was fault. my it's... bad attitude, and I just wasn't as tolerant <laughs> to your uh, your obtuse opinions today. And I I'm just sorry. I I don't view it any of that way, including well the obtuse. I, I can do without. I'm not the only one that you apparently uh, made uh, feel a little strange today because uh, Hans was feeling the same way. What do you right? mean by strange? <laughs> and by the way, because you're being so negative. Listen, if if you bring up the XFL, I'm going to have a negative reaction. <laughs> I just am. If you bring up the the Browns mascot dog dying, I'm going Wait, to what, have what? a, a do negative you have a, reaction. Do you have a negative reaction toward minor league baseball? No. Well, then what's the difference? Isn't that kind of what the XFL is? Okay, I I don't mind uh, talking about the bees once in a while. We uh, we mention their scores. We love Steve Clocky. We have him on the air from time to time. But I'm right. going to point something out. There's a place that's for a, it. that's a franchise that's in our market. And then let me ask you this: name the other teams in the bees division. Oh, there's Fresno, and there's uh, isn't there uh, Sacramento? And Colorado Springs. 
And I don't think they exist anymore. They don't. <laughs> How about uh, El Paso? <laughs> they out there? Uh huh. And Vegas? Uh huh. Look, I, I I hear what you're saying, but I, what I'm saying is that there's usefulness for this kind of league to maybe help certain guys find their way to their dream. How nice for them. But it's not a negative. It's not. I just I don't need to pay attention nor watch it. <laughs> well, it is kind of <clears throat> your job to be an expert on all sports. I do love it that the best argument for the XFL is, hey, guys, there's no other football going on. <laughs> well, that, that's a hey, strong argument. Hey, watch our crappy product because you know what? It's all you got. <laughs> You don't think that's coming from a position of strength? No, no, I, I uh, the opposite. In fact, oh, I don't, I don't mind it. I, I'm not going to. I don't anticipate really getting into it. How many but st- to say that uh, to dismiss it like uh, I don't care about that. It's a a waste of time. That uh, that is a tad bit negative. On a scale of zero to ten, how much did you care about the Stallions? Uh, I went up there for a couple games. A couple? Yeah. Okay, just zero to ten. I hoped it worked because that's I, not what I asked. Zero to ten interest level of the the Salt Lake Stallions. They're gone now. You don't have to worry about no, offending anybody. No, no. I wrote columns about how. I, I know you uh, did. Zero positive. to ten interest interest scale. Uh, maybe five. You were so full of it. No. <laughs> that was not a five. And by the way, that was that was in our market. That was relevant because it was here. But, I don't care about I what the Detroit a, Dingbats but, but do I, in the XFL. I thought it was a good idea. I thought it was a good opportunity yeah. for some of these kids to be able to f- follow up on their dreams and maybe make it back to the league. And that's why I'm saying good for them. Good for them. I'm proud of them. <laughs> you are such a putt sometimes. Gordon, Let, keep, keep hope alive, yeah, Jake. Yeah, do it. Keep hope alive. Good grief. See you, buddy. You have a nice night. I'll talk to you tomorrow. I hope mom and dad are proud. Jazz Game Night pregame show is starting next on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. I knew that was about the end of it. So long, farewell, I'll be to say goodnight. I hate goodbyes. This thing is over! That'll do, Pink. That'll do.